All right. Uh, I'm Bobby Navia. And I am Dorian Weinzimmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the couch. Uh, the last entry in the in the Batman series, Dorian. This was a, this has been pretty enjoyable. I'm not gonna lie. It's been really fun, and it 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 didn't hit me until yesterday uh, how long it's taken us to actually get through this. Because yeah. I was I was going to like uh, or no, it was Friday. I watched uh, Dark Knight Rises on Friday morning. Okay. And um, I, I went to open just like a little Google Docs thing just to be able to you know sketch some notes as they occurred to me while watching the movie as I usually do. And I saw um, when I went into my folder where I, you know, keep the archives of all this stuff, that the one for Dark Knight was from like November nineteenth, and I was like, oh. that, that was fucking two months ago that we watched this, the last one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know we did, like basically all of December, you know, was off for you know various right. reasons, but uh, but still, I was like, wow, that's just it was fucking two months ago. It's crazy. It does not <laughs> feel like that long ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, no, it's been really fun. I don't know, like when I, uh, if you're, if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast or this 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 episode, um, this uh, series of going through all the Batman movies, all of Tim Burton's, uh, with uh, uh, Birdman uh, included in there, and then all the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, came uh, came up because of the new Matt Reeves Batman movie, The Batman, and uh, the trailer that drops during the DC fandom. A couple months ago, and um, after Dorian and I did a review of that trailer, I suggested why don't we go through the Batman movies and sort of compare them, you know, back back to back and stuff. And uh, even though it's taken a long time, I feel like, you know, it's like also the right amount of time to just sort of like talk about some stuff, you know, take yeah. a break from it, really think about it and all that <laughs> stuff. So it's been uh, it's been really fun. So uh, if you haven't listened to any of those episodes, I would highly suggest you go back and. And listen, and maybe like watch along. Uh, they were as well. very, they were very revealing. I'll say that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the compare and contrast, because yeah, again, like I was, I'd, I've watched the Nolan. I mean, I'd seen the Tim Burton at least the first one like many, many times, and I've seen the, but that was like a long time ago that I watched it a lot. Right. Right. And so, like that one in particular, watching that, you know, was was so different than my memory of it. Um, mm-hmm. And just being a, a much different person now, too, just like what you bring, you know, to any movie you watch, you obviously project onto the movie just as much as you take on from it. Um, yeah, right. Just as much as it projects onto you. So um, so that was, you know, really, really fascinating that, you know, the, the Nolan ones being much more recent and, you know, having also watched those numerous times being, you know, much more recently familiar with them and having watched them, I guess, it, as a person who is in closer proximity to the person I am now. Um, right, but excuse me. You know, those weren't as. I was like, yeah, I still love these movies, but the but looking at them in comparison to the Tim Burton movies was just like so fascinating. You know, like really, really, really yeah. such such unique takes on you know this, the material, and um and as you know as we sort of like determined while watching them, it's like yeah, I mean if you're gonna like reboot a, a franchise or something. You know, this is this yeah. is kind of the way to do it. It's like it's such a different take on everything that it's like, no, there's a reason to do this as opposed to like the Spider-Man movies, you know, which they've rebooted the character as essentially the exact same thing three times now. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's like stylistically and sort of, you know, tonally and all that. There's not a, a marked difference between the Sam Raimi ones and, you know, the uh, the recent ones. Right. So, you know, it's, but whereas this though, it's like, these could not be more different. <laughs> yeah, they, are, right. 
literally in, in, in literally completely different worlds, you know? Yes, yes. So that that just happened to bear the same name. It's it's like Tim Burton's Tim Burton's Batman feels like at this point feels to me like a play that was put on in Christopher Nolan's Bat. That might be that might have been the play that Bruce was at with his parents. (laughs) I like where you're going with this, sir. I like Tim Burton's Batman. (laughs) It's just it's so theatrical, you know. Um, Yeah. But uh, which which even just made because uh, we yeah we substituted um, since Nolan made three Batman movies and Tim Burton only made two we needed a third movie you know to to utilize in our compare and contrast so we we utilize we used um, uh, Alejandro Inarritu's <laughs> Birdman uh, yes. as the third film which obviously you know is is heavily plays off of the idea that Michael Keaton, you know, was Batman and everything. It was the closest thing we got to a, like, here's an old Batman coming back out for, like, one last hurrah, which is basically right. what Dark Knight Rises is, so. Um, but the fact that it's all about, you know, him putting on a play and it's about the theater world and everything, again, made it even more appropriate, I feel like, for being the third Tim Burton movie, since they have such a theatricality to them. Um, right, exactly. Yeah, it was really... It was, it was like it. It was like a joke idea that just proved to be more and more valuable <laughs> as, yeah. as we dug into it. And even I, and we're even going to talk about it more today because, like, I I spent I could not stop watching Dark Knight Rises just like as a direct comparison <laughs> piece to Birdman. And it was it was okay. fucking wild. It was it was wild. Like yeah. it just shit just kept my mind just kept going back in that direction. I kept just seeing new things, and it was like, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. Nice. But anyway, nice. so that's sort of a summary, I guess, of kind of like why we were, why we decided to look at these couple of movies and a little bit about like what the discussion entailed. So yeah. If you yeah, haven't no. listened to them, fucking listen to them. Come on. Come on, people. What else are you doing? Yeah. Nothing. You're not doing anything. You're just at home. You're not doing shit. Waiting for your age bracket to come up. Yeah. Uh, to get the vaccine, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There's, there's a new president. You know, you don't have to check Twitter for like insane shit every five minutes. Yeah, That's, right. That fr- honestly, that frees up a lot of time. A lot of time it does. <laughs> so frees up a lot of mental space as well. Yeah, exactly. So you know, <laughs> listen to our podcast. <laughs> you, you no longer have an excuse. Um. So, anyways, yes, I uh, I watched this movie yesterday morning, and uh, man, is it a good movie. Yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems I, like uh, people like to, to shit on this one a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't like. Um, I don't think it's deserved. I yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it got like the full like. Oh my god, this is how much we love like the Dark Knight, like the the you know that movie, uh, the second movie in the series, the Nolan series. This one was just kind of like, yeah, it was good. You know, mm-hmm. it was a uh, you know that that kind of. That kind of thing, and um, I mean, I do have like one or th- one or two things that like I, I sort of wrote down <clears throat> as kind of uh, light criticisms about the movie. But um, I, what I actually enjoyed most about it was the uh, this is going to bring me back to uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. Is that <laughs> you know this was not nine movies. However, it felt like it felt like it really wrapped up a lifetime of. A particular story like very well yeah and it was incredibly 
you know, cathartic at the end. And like, I, I remember I rewatched the trailer to it and I just kept thinking the big, the big question leading up to this movie being released was like, is Christopher Nolan going to kill Bruce Wayne Batman? Because mm-hmm. the trailer kept, you know, in the title card saying like, this is the end. It is the end of the dark Knight, you know, trilogy, the right. series, you know, so and that was the big gonna break his back. Yeah. Yeah, there there was like this really really big thing. I remember even uh, part of you know some of the dialogue that was in you know the trailers was uh, Selena Kyle saying that like you know you don't owe these people anything anymore. Like you've you've given enough you know and, and everything. And uh, there's a shot of of Batman saying you know I haven't given everything. I haven't given everything right. yet. And so that was like the one sort of, you know, note that was like, man, is he, is he really going to give his life for, for the city at this point, you know? So, um, and obviously by, you know, the movie ends and we're led to believe he does. And then we get the little, the little, you know, the little Mm -hmm. coda at the end, Mm -hmm. the little, you know, but, um, but I also thought that that was so very like, uh, filling as well. And I, I thought it also like it ended, it ended Bruce Wayne's story, but it also kicked the door open for, somebody other than Nolan to sort of pick up the story if Warner Brothers decided to go that go that route you know like uh, and I also just kind of liked how the character of Batman is um, is used by the end of the movie it's just sort of like no it's like no matter you know um, going back to going back to Batman begins you know that's like the conversation that him and Alfred have in the plane he talks about you know needing to be a symbol. Uh, mm-hmm. for something so that he can be like incorruptible and 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 all these things and that's kind of what he's sort of telling and doing for uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, cop character John Blake is sort of like having that same conversation so that by the end of it it is like it doesn't matter who's in the mask it just matters you know what you do for the greater good while you're inhabiting this this immovable force so to speak you know so um yeah. Yeah, no, I really liked I really liked the movie quite a bit, and I haven't. I admit that this might be out of the three. This is probably the one I've watched the least. Not because I don't Same. think it's good, but I just I just haven't watched it as much as I have the first two. Yeah. Um. So I mean, um. But other than that, yeah, I had a really, 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 really great time with it. How about you? Yeah. No, I I really really like this movie a lot. It's it's definitely. Uh, same with me. It's the one I've seen the least of all of Mm -hmm. them. Uh, you know, partially it's, it's pretty long, so it's a, you know, it's a big time commitment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a solid, you know, two, two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's with credits, but still, even so it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it runs into the, like the two thirty seven, two thirty eight you know, kind of (laughs) runtime and it's great and everything, but it's not something you can just throw on casually or whatever. (laughs) Right. Um, and uh yeah but anyway uh, so i honestly this is i, I want to say only like my maybe third or fourth time seeing this movie okay um yeah i think i uh saw it you know in i saw it at the navy pier imax when it came out and uh and then i want to say i bought it on blu-ray when it you know got released but i don't think i ever actually watched the blu-ray Okay. And then I think it was when I got the 4K set and it, it came out that I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch all of these over. You know, I wanted to check all the 4K discs out. And so I watched all of them again and it was, you know, it was like, watch the third one. I remember kind of having that opinion that I was like, yeah, it was good. I thought it was a good ending, but it's not, you know, it's my least favorite of the three, which mm-hmm. is sort of my, you know, going opinion of it. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, watching it again when the 4K set came out was just like, damn, this movie is 
like way better than I remember giving it credit for. You know, not that I ever thought it was bad, but I thought it was just sort of like, yeah, you know, he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, as usual, you know, as we would expect. But, you know, it, it was hard for it to get over, you know, the like Dark Knight is just so fucking like perfect, you know. <laughs> And, yeah, yeah. And, and also just all the weight that came with the fact that, you know, that movie murdered one of the most, you know, talented, young, upcoming <laughs> actors of our generation that, like, brought a lot of baggage with the film. And, with yeah. you know, how good his performance was and then having this, like, that's his... Well, he had that one, like, Casanova movie that came out afterwards that I think he did a, you know... That was oh, yeah. actually his final performance, but everyone's just kind of like, yeah, no, 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 it's not, you know, this was... This was it. Yeah, this was it. He <laughs> Joker, it killed him, you know, and he won the posthumous uh, Oscar for it, just like James Dean for fucking Giant, you know, when he died. It's yeah. Just, it, there was so much wrapped up around Dark Knight, on top of it also being like just, I don't know, one of the biggest like directorial flexes of all time, uh, you know, just as a movie. Like the whole thing is just on point from the start. You're like, fuck, he like knows how good he is right now. <laughs> and like and like it's not not in a way that it's like getting to his head and he's fucking up like he's just we're all with him and he's like i know isn't this awesome we're like yeah keep doing it and he's like all right i got you <laughs> um and it's awesome it's just you can like feel the energy of it and you know how you can feel the fact that like everybody making it knew you know <laughs> while they were making it like how good it was that's that's kind of what it feels like so just coming off of that it, it's so hard to to match that in any way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, I think that contributed to mine and a lot of other people's feelings about it. Like when it first came out, that was like, yeah, no, this is very good. Uh, but you know, it's not the dark Knight. And, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and even Batman begins has this like magic about it. And especially in memory of just like, wow, you know, how it wins you over, you know, as a film, the first time you see it, when you're just like, holy shit, I can't believe how, how they're going about this and how well it works, you know, like mm-hmm. how engaged it seems so obvious that like, this is how this story should be told, but no one's ever done it like this before. It's just so fucking good. You yeah. Know? Right. Um, there's a real magic. So then this one too, where it's like, yeah, we brought this really, really awesome interpretation of this character to a very, very good end, you know, just isn't yeah. as exciting as those other two things sound. Um, yeah. but, uh, but again, like similar to what we were talking about with Birdman, you know, this is the beginning of, of the comparisons between the two that I had was like, you know, we talked about that movie. It had so much, um, uh, was being made of the whole one shot, you know, technique for that film and like the, the Ooh, technical, good point. excuse me, you know, the, the technical, you know, brilliance and trickery of it and all that type of stuff. And that's so consumed like people's thoughts while watching the movie. Mm hmm. And, you know, this one, similar thing. It was like, you know, this was the follow-up to The Fucking Dark Knight, you know, which is the, now this, like, legendary, you know, movie, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for plenty of reasons, uh, good reasons. But um, but still, you know, just has all this, like, baggage that comes along with it. And kind of being the follow-up to that, it was never, you know, it was kind of doomed in that way. And that right, was always right. going to be some sort of, like... You know, the what if of it, I think, was always going to play in it because there are all these rumors that, like, the Joker was supposed to come back for the third movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and all this type of stuff. And then it was like, oh, man, did they just have to, like, cobble something together because they lost their guy? And that's, like, what this whole series was pinned on, you know, was having this character. And it's like, you know, there's all this stuff. And, and it's like, no, it you know, it doesn't need anything. It exists perfectly well on its own. Right. 
um, you know, without having the Joker or the the phantom of it maybe having had the Joker as a part of its plan at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think really like is is visible. You know, when you just take this movie on its own merits whatsoever. Right. Um, that was just at the time there was so much flying around about that it was hard again for that not to kind of poison your thoughts a little bit while you were watching it um or when seeing it for the first time so so again like both of this and birdman like being you know detached or removed from those like the expectations that came with the movie when it was first released Mm -hmm. um versus being able to watch it now like knowing what it is and and all that type of stuff it's um you know i just i've i've enjoyed i think i've enjoyed this movie even more every time i've you know subsequent time i've seen it yeah Again, having really liked it the first time, it's just I remember the second time I was like, "Damn, it's fucking good." And then when I was watching it on Friday, I'm just like, "This is great," the whole time. <laughs> like, I just right. I'm so fucking into this movie. Yeah, um, and you're right; it does it does feel like it it has like this appropriate kind of like gravity of a a you know actual time has elapsed. Like even at the beginning, when it's just like, man, it's been fucking eight years, mm-hmm. you know, since like all that shit happened. Um, right, and you know, Bruce, like, you know, he gets he gets over it pretty quick, but. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce isn't in the greatest of shape, um, you know, and all this type of stuff. And, it, you know, it just, yeah, it really does feel like, you know, this stuff has taken a toll on him and it's continuing to. And, like, we kind of know that whether he wants to or not, this is kind of, the, you know, his body's just starting to fall apart. Like, this is kind of the last hurrah. Right, um, yeah. He's not, you know, it's either, you know, you know, die before you see yourself become the villain or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, you know, what, what happens to this hope that Batman still possesses even after eight years that even like children and stuff, you know, that, that like Blake talks to and, you know, know who he is oh, and yeah, still yeah, are like right. hoping that one day he'll come back and all this. And they, they keep that hope alive. Like, is that just going to die with him or what? And, you know, yeah. And I, I do like, and even, you know, the way it like, it brings him back and then immediately like crushes, drops him down even lower than he was before. You know, in the second half yes. of the movie, when it's yeah, like when yeah. Bane takes over fucking Gotham <laughs> and he's, you know, relegated to that pit and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this feels really like we're because we're like an hour and 25 minutes into the movie. We feel like, OK, Batman's back. Now we're going to like go and You're do right. all the big Batman stuff. And it's like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> we are not <laughs> actually. Um, and it, it really feels like, damn, you know, there's like real consequence to this stuff. And, you know, like the movie is not just going to like give us these easy things to like make us feel good. It's like even when things that make us feel that hope can be ripped away again. Um, yeah, like I um, <clears throat> while watching it, this this to me felt like the most comic booky that Christopher Nolan has gotten in the series. Uh, just the the entire movie as a whole and not that's not as a criticism i i, I it's like i i appreciate it there were just some things that um i felt were like it just felt more like a comic book or like a graphic graphic novel than let's say dark knight or, or batman begins did but um i had that same feeling you were talking about about like okay batman's back and you know he leads that that chase where we we see him again you know and then the uh, the part I think you're talking about where he gets taken down even lower is when just Bane beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I also thought to myself like this is just more of a kind of kind of taking this all the way back to the beginning of us talking about Tim Burton movies and stuff like this is way more of a Bruce Wayne story than it is like a Batman story. Like mm. for the first time like watching this movie, I every time I saw. Batman I just still felt like I was looking at Bruce Wayne like I wasn't I wasn't looking at you know 
I wasn't looking at a different, I wasn't looking at like a split personality that we're so used to seeing with like Bruce Wayne and, and Batman, you mm-hmm. know, like to me, I was watching Bruce Wayne in a suit trying to be like something that he probably haven't even, he probably hasn't even come to terms with that. He's like really not anymore, but he feels like he's just got nothing after like the death of Rachel and everything that happened in the events of dark Knight. that it's like, uh, it's basically everything that like Alfred echoes to him about not needing to go back out anymore to do this, you know? So like that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, a lot of his dialogue, but, um, but yeah, it was like the first time it was, it was so, it was so interesting to me that we talked about how the Tim Burton movies are definitely not Batman movies. They're barely even Bruce Wayne movies, but for the, (laughs) but for like the last Christopher Nolan movie, like it's like Bruce Wayne is front and center of this movie, like emotionally, mentally, um, the moment when he wakes up in the pit the first time and, and Bane is explaining to him, you know, why he's there, you know, uh, you know, what's he, what he's going to do to the city. And there's that shot when he looks up, looks up and, and sees, you know, you know, the pit, I immediately thought about, you know, the hallways of the theater in the, in Birdman, you know, Mm -hmm. like, this is just like, you just have to get through this. You just have to get through this, but there's just so much that's in your way, literally, but most of all yourself is in the way too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, um, yeah, I got I got way more deep on that that side of the Dark Knight Rises. Totally. <laughs> uh, aside from all of like the cool actiony shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just got it was way more psychological for me this time around than mm. uh, than any of the other times I had seen it. But for for the better, and I think that's why I I, I enjoyed it more. Uh, you know, again this yeah. time. But yeah, and just as you're talking too about like the structure of kind of the whole trilogy as well. I mean, it's it's cool to note just how you know batman begins is all about like bruce wayne becoming batman and then dark knight is all about batman being batman and then the dark knight rises is all about batman trying to figure out how to become bruce wayne again um, right yeah you know, that's such a and, yeah it's a better way of putting it yeah and it's <laughs> yeah. and it's just so cool yeah no it is you're right there is like this finality feeling to the entirety of it all that it's like how do we get out of this trap you know that we've kind of made for ourselves like we still want this good thing to exist in the world but it's like obviously this guy's not the guy anymore, you know, like he can't, but he can't just let it die. And he obviously, you know, just, you can't let it, you can't let it end like this either, you know, obviously. (laughs) Um, And that's, and that's what I always really liked about the ending. Even from the first time I saw it was like, I never felt at all like they were making an opening for future franchise entries. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. um, uh, With, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It really just felt it like that was kind of what I appreciated about it so much was how much it felt just like, no, no, no. The only reason we have this ending is so that like Bruce Wayne cannot be Batman anymore. You know, like that's why we're doing this. This is not so like, oh, my God, new fucking Robin movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was like, I did not have that feeling whatsoever walking out of the theater. It seemed like somehow the movie communicated that to me that it was like, no, 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 we're just this is just because we're ending Bruce's story. And that's the only reason we have to do this because like the only way that his character can possibly move on is if someone's there to take over, you know, and, um, and we need that. And so like, you know, it was a, not to totally reduce it. Cause I think his character is, uh, is, is really cool. And I love his, you know, I like his performance a lot in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, he's, he's a storytelling mechanism, you know, <laughs> he's not a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there was probably ever any discussion about like, Oh, you know, would you sign on for more? Obviously these movies made fucking crazy amounts of money. Like 
there was nothing stopping them from continuing to make more of these, you know, right. if they wanted to was Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Batman. But I don't think that was ever part of the discussion because I don't think that's like what the purpose of his character was. Right, right. It was it was literally in service of Bruce being able to like you know fucking go drink limoncellos in Italy <laughs> with with Anne Hathaway, which you know sounds awesome. Yeah, to be fair, so I don't blame I don't blame the guy. You know, I think he he put in his hours. I think yeah, he right. deserves I think he deserves the gold watch and a limoncello. So, <laughs> um, and then another you know thing that uh, like. Again, I, part of why this is so successful, I mean, A, you know, they plan this as a trilogy. So, like, they went into this movie or into this whole thing, I think, knowing that, like, there's only going to be three. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's always the downfall. It's been well remarked upon that, you know, all of the superhero movies, they always end up having to reboot usually after three entries. Right. Um, because they just get so overloaded and overblown. And, you know, usually they end up having three villains in the third movie because they keep trying to, like, one-up the last one and it becomes just too much and it's just a pile of garbage. Right, right. And, like, you know, this movie very successfully avoided. There was one villain, you know? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's technically two, but you don't really even know about the second one until the end of the movie. Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, which is another thing that I remember people complaining about. And I'm like, I, this works really well. Like, I don't know why people think this whole, I all, feel of a sudden, like... all of a sudden Talia al Ghul, oh, hey. And then she's like, you know, dead 10 minutes later. And it's like, yeah, but she's been there the whole time, you know, like that's right. I think what, it's not like she just showed up and was like, ha ha, I'm the bad guy. It's like, no, you just didn't fucking know, you know, the, right. <laughs> But knowing it, I feel like again, like a rewatch type of scenario where like knowing that when you're watching it again, it's like there's it's great. Like I think there's a lot it's really interesting watching that performance and like their interactions and everything and stuff, like knowing that. Um I mean it's the opposite of, you know, it's the opposite opposite of her father's play in the first movie. You know what I mean? Like he's right, gone totally. for a majority of it. You know, yeah. and then shows up at the end and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is the guy. And it happens the same way in, in this movie. However, she's just front and center or about mm -hmm. as front and center as she can be for whatever's going on with her character and everything. But yeah. um, I feel like a lot of times, maybe when I first watched this movie and I, I kind of thought to myself, like, I loved I loved Marion Cotillard's, you know, switch at the end, like when when it's finally revealed that she's Talia and then like. You know, her her acting in the movie definitely changes as well. And I just yeah. I liked her so much as that character that I was like, I felt like I didn't get enough of her. So if I want, you know, like there was a part of me that there was a part of me watching it that felt like, damn, I really wish I would have gotten like more of her mm -hmm. in the movie. You know, and maybe not the entire movie, but that was like one small criticism I did have um, about it is that like I just I liked her flip so much and she was so convincing like when she gets into the bad pod and she's just like, shoot them, like shoot them all. And it's yeah. just like, it's like, I believe it. I don't, I don't believe that. Like, you know, uh, I, I believe her in, in those scenes and stuff. So, um, but on the flip side, uh, I really, uh, really like fucking appreciated like Tom Hardy's performance in this movie. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, I was just kind of in awe, literally <laughs> some moments I just had, my mouth was open and I was like, how are we not talking about this performance more? Like <laughs> he's great. Yeah, he's really it's, excellent. Yeah, it's I was. You know, it's, it's funny because I remember thinking this the first time I saw it as well. I, you know, not that not that I say that I saw like the twist coming, but I knew something was up. 
Oh, okay. Excuse me. Um, just because, like, again, his his performance is so good, and like the physicality that he brings to it is so specific mm-hmm. and so well rendered that, like, the scenes when um, you know, they're in the pit talking about like you know the the kid who escaped and the protector person that was there. Mm-hmm. Like when when they start to try to like attack the kid and the protector character starts to like battle everyone, it's like immediately obvious that that's Tom Hardy. Okay. It's like his physicality is just like it's so dialed in that like as soon as you see him start to like that like brutality behind yeah. his like style of fighting, it's like he just goes to like cock a punch even and I'm like that's Tom Hardy. Right, right. Like done. <laughs> I'm like there's not a question in my fucking mind about it and so I didn't realize, you know, but I knew, like, I remember watching it the first time and, like, in those scenes, I was like, okay, so Bane's not the one who escaped. Bane was protecting this kid. And I'm like, but who is, and, you know, I didn't see the rest of that coming and put together the whole Ra's al Ghul thing, of course. But, um, but yeah, still, I was, like, uh, watching it again uh, uh, this time as well, too. I'm like, that man, it's just, it's so, it seems almost like an oversight because it's like his... It's it's like his acting is too good that it becomes a giveaway, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that just like he's he's dialed into this character's physicality so fucking well that even like just showing the littlest amount of movements from him, you can immediately tell like that's him. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so it's it's like a compliment, but also it's like the as Chris, you know, Chris Nolan, it's almost a little bit like you should have paid a little more attention to that or almost, he might've just gotten in the editing room and been like, God damn it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Tom did too good, you know, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm sure not like not everyone. And again, it's not, it's not like it ruined the movie. Like it, it just intrigued me more because I was like, Oh, there's something more going on here, you know? And I didn't mm-hmm. put all the pieces together until it was revealed in the movie. So I still got like that kind of like, Oh moment of like, Oh damn, that's cool. But also every time Bruce asks the old man, like Bane was the child, like the old man never directly answers that question. He mm-hmm. always just says like, this is Bane's prison now. He wouldn't like the story told. And it's like, right. Yeah. Okay. So then we're just kind of, you know, you're, you're the viewer's imagination is just to run with like, oh yeah, this kid is Bane, you know, like mm-hmm. fuck, you know? And even when he imagines Ra's al Ghul, you know, like he kind of asks the question again and you know, Ra's doesn't answer it. Right. But this is just, you know, Bruce's right. Bruce's psyche sort of connecting these dots, and yeah, you know, exactly. we're we're you know we're he's kind of like the our the audience in that point uh, uh, of the movie with trying to find out who that kid is or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that actually it's funny. I made a little note of that. It it was like that moment was a little is a little weird to me. It's not my it's not my favorite storytelling technique in the movie. I'll say. The Roz, yeah, the, the Roz when story, him popping up when it's well, just when when Bruce like yeah has that like imagining talking to him, you okay. know, just that moment, like you know, Bruce could have figured all this stuff out, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. not like there's this you know like magical prophetic vision that gives him some information he wouldn't have had otherwise. That mm-hmm. would have been a real problem, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but but still, just like having this as like a mechanism to deliver, like Bruce just figured something out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I get it. He's in this prison. He's all fucked up. He's at his back. You know, not not broken, but mangled. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not in the greatest mental state. But yeah, it's just it was a little. It it seemed like it like it stuck out to me a little bit. You know, while okay. watching the movie, just like oh wait, he's talking to a vision of Ra's al Ghul right now. Like we're we're actually doing a let's talk to a dead guy moment in this in the Christopher <laughs> Nolan Batman world. <laughs> Which is steeped in reality. This is just seems a little odd. 
Yeah. Um, so I like I almost wish they had just made it maybe like a little more dreamlike somehow, you know, or maybe not quite so like literal. Like I'm just laying in my cage and I'm imagining having a conversation with this guy, like or something. I don't know. All right. All right. Yeah. It just it just again I'm not like actually really complaining about this. It's fine, but it just it stuck out to me while watching. I was just like, oh, okay, that's a mm-hmm. little, seems a little odd for Chris Nolan, you know. <laughs> Um, I thought that some of the dialogue in the movie, like, it like wasn't the best dialogue. I think one of the big, one of the big ones is, uh, at the end when him and Bane kindly finally come to finally come face to face in the crowd, mm-hmm. you know, there's like that hero villain moment where, you know, you, you know, you want the moment in Rocky three when, Rocky has trained again the entire movie and they're they're face to face and Clubber Lang goes, I'm going to bust you up. And Rocky looks at him and he goes, go for it. Like, <laughs> you want that moment. That's an actual moment and you're just ready. But like, I just didn't like get it in that moment when I watched mm-hmm. it this time. <laughs> so um, it's like little stuff like that, that I was just kind of like, ah, you know, I think it kind of goes along with what you were saying in terms of uh, having a vision, you know, of Ra's al Ghul and, and like talking you know, to, uh, to a dead guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so it was like those moments and everything like that. And I think it was because so much of the movie, um, uh, there's different parts of the movie that feel like a little bit, uh, uh, more comic booky to me, like I said in the beginning, than than actually grounded in like reality. And like, I was fine with it. I was, I was fine with those moments, but, uh, sometimes those grounded moments just didn't feel like as sort of like, this is what these characters would say to each other. Right. Yeah. Coming face to face again after he like laid him out an hour, you know, an hour ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah laid him out and fucking sent him off to a prison and who yeah. knows where, like, yeah, <laughs> a hole in the ground. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Bane, Bane says, so you came back to die with your city and Batman goes, no, I came to stop you. And it was, and then, you know, the drums hit and I'm like, then, really, bro? Like you couldn't just, you know, just give me something. You know what I mean? Like you came back to die for your city. <laughs> I love his weird voice. Like what? I'm just so interested by it the whole time. Like there's this weird, like aristocratic kind of edge to it. Yeah. It almost sounds like a, like a fancy British thing is kind of hidden in there somewhere. I'm like, I'm really curious what their like imagined background is for him. Was there okay? I I wanted to ask you real quick too. Did I um I can't remember if I like kind of missed something about this, but like so Ma- uh, Bane's mask, the breathing apparatus, like yeah. as far as as far as I know, the only explanation that's offered for it in the movie is that it keeps the pain at bay. Yes. It's that just seemed like another weird kind of like for Chris Nolan, like you're so good at like all of this stuff has such a realistic kind of component. Mm-hmm. That it's like, I like, it's never even really explained. I mean, it's that it's like a breathing apparatus. It's just like a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's leaking air or something, you know, and when Bruce is beating the crap out of him at the end. But it's like, I, I just couldn't remember. I feel like I have this happen every time I watch the movie. Uh-huh. I'm like, is there ever an explanation for like what this mask is? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, I mean, I'm fine with like, you know, again, like Joker and and even Bane also, they have these very mysterious backgrounds. So it's not like everything is given this like giant, you know, explanation on a silver platter in his movies. There's still room for like mystery. Right. Um, But the big things like that, that are especially like, you know, the major kind of characteristic parts of 
the the main heroes and villains from the Batman world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sort of always like a purpose to them. You know, yeah. even like even like you know, Catwoman has like oh yeah, you know the like infrared visor that when she flips it up, it looks like the cat ears, and that's yeah. why cat mm-hmm. ears. You know. Um, but, uh, with Bane, it just literally seemed like, nope, he just wears this thing and, um, all, you know, we ever hear about it is like, she just says it keeps the pain at bay. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right, I guess we'll just go with that. Okay. I just wanted to ask. I couldn't remember if I just like missed something or what. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember in the flashbacks, they talked about, you know, some damage, some damage being done. You know, he's got that giant scar up his spine, mm-hmm. um, as well in the one scene where they bring Gordon to him. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, other than that, and then there's the scene where when the League of Shadows does come in to the to the pit, you know, he is there and he has the bandage over his face and there is some blood there. But, I, you know, I don't know, aside from his back, if more more damage was done to his face or like, you know, throat yeah, right. or whatever, you know, so. Um, but uh, I also don't know. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to look at like, you know, I'd have to like look up schematics to the mask and see like, is there more to this? Like, where does right. it go? Does it go down his throat? You know, like what's what's happening? You know, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's I, I started thinking about like if it's the actual like breathing apparatus that like makes him talk that way. Like that. Well, it's there's like, some like there's some like inflection s- stuff, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 Um, because I was starting to like pay attention to like how the two old men in in the pit, you know, talk to Bruce, like their accents and just mm. you know how they sound in comparison to Bane. Because I feel like that's the only other sort of like you know vocal benchmark we have for how Bane may or may not sound without the breathing apparatus, you know. But mm-hmm. obviously, him breathing and 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 all those inflections like you're talking about plays a part in how he sounds. But yeah, I just started thinking like you know. Again, I think most all of Nolan's movies just have like I feel like a foot in James Bond land, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, like sure. this is this is like, you know the opening the opening sequence of this movie. I was it, just like, it's Christopher. Oh. He was like, I you guys won't let me fucking make a 007 movie, <laughs> so I'm just doing it. <laughs> and then Tenet obviously was just like, fuck y'all. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> This is exactly what I think about me not getting it. I'm going to have somebody get pneumonia in a fucking explosion. All right? Fuck off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the movie... I mean, I remember Bane saying, you know, when, when like, Dr. Pavel, you know, changes the, uh, the energy renewal device, you know, into a bomb, and he says, like, take it away from the core and everything like that, and he's like, no, it'll, 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 it'll start to deteriorate in, like, time, and he's just like, yeah, five months. I, I think some of those moments where the guy's like, oh, there's a vertebrae protruding out your back, and then he just, like, slams it, you know, with his fist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... In some of those moments, I forget that, like, we're in the middle of, like, a five-month period, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, like, sometimes it feels like five months, but then sometimes it just feels like it's been two weeks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so it's just, like, I really don't get this sense of, like, I feel like the sense of time, at least from Bruce's uh, role in the movie, isn't isn't done well enough because, like, I don't really buy that in eight eight years all he has is just this weird goatee mm-hmm. and then like when he's in the when he's in the pit i feel like i would have i don't know just go full beard for me just do something you know what i mean yeah, like sure have it a little bit heavier so that i know it's like yeah it 
it's been we've been here like a long time, you know, and I mean, I get that. I get that maybe you don't want to go into a lot of those flourishes, like maybe fake fake hair pieces or, you know, a lot of a lot of fake stuff on your actor, just, you know, a little bit here and there and then we can just get to it. But um, a lot of those parts in the movie just feel like not rushed, but I don't get that sense of it's been five or six months since he's sure that that he's been in this thing. So. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Some of it does feel like you're literally just like you're just being told like this much time has passed. Yes, you right. And you're like, yeah. okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Sure, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These right. cops all seem pretty calm for being stuck in this fucking collapsed tunnel for three months. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that w- that was like another little thing, another little criticism I had about it was was the the sense of time yeah. in the movie doesn't feel as as long as the movie is telling us it is sure yeah no i'm I'm with you on that too i don't think you feel it as much as yeah it's just sort of something that you're informed of yeah yeah right <laughs> um okay so so birdman happens and obviously michael keaton is is older mm-hmm. right uh i wondered uh by the end of this movie i was thinking like uh do you think this do you think this movie would have had like a bigger impact if like they actually like waited 10 years to make it? Like I mean, it's, if I, if it take away like you know, we've already established that we both like the movie, you know, we 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 do dig it a lot and everything like that, but just in in thinking about, you know, um the impact that Birdman had on our viewing of Tim Burton's movies and also Christopher Nolan's movies up until that point you know, mm-hmm. of, of our conversations and stuff like that. Like, um, there were times where I didn't really believe in the movie that it had been eight years, but there was also like a part of me that kind of wished like, man, I wonder like what would have happened if we would have waited like 15 years and like maybe Christian Bale was just a little bit older, but he got to like a, you know, I don't need him to look like, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky Balboa or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, like what if he was just a little bit older and got and, you know, got back in the suit and like did this? Like would it have would it have would it have been more of like an event and maybe separated itself more from the sort of like, well, there's no way you can top Heath Ledger and the and the Dark Knight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that kind of thing. But it's, it's kind of something that ran through my head. They had done a Godfather three kind of scenario. Yes, Dorian. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I. You know what? The next time I see you, I'm just gonna drop it off. I need you to watch. <laughs> I need you to watch Godfather Coda because yeah, everything I'm watching lately, I'm just I'm just connecting it to it's it. Coming back to it. Yeah, it's coming back. Well, yeah. Well, that's how I got you to watch Birdman. Was I know. I know. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, sorry. What was? That? Oh, yeah. So, uh, no. It's it's really interesting to think about also because um, just like world events also. Okay. Uh, in terms of how they relate to this movie, because I, I, it's funny, because I remember last time I watched it was like around the time um, that like the Occupy Wall Street uh, thing was going on. Was going on. Oh right, 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 right. Which had some parallels to Bane's whole revolution, you know, in a lot of ways. And then that's right. You know, and then watching it now, uh, I mean, a the like the Capitol riot, you know, on on the sixth. Obviously, this you know felt very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but then also just like the, com- I, I couldn't help but think of this like comparison between like Bane and Trump as well. Okay. Just okay. as far as like all these, all these like shitty players getting involved with like a power that they don't totally understand. 
Oh, you know, right. and like, and then, and then eventually he turns on all of them, you know, everybody that thinks like, oh, well, no, this guy, he's on my side, you know, fucking Ben Mendelsohn and like every, everyone that thinks they control Bane. Ultimately, he's just like, you don't fucking, con- <laughs> yeah, you gave me all that money. What do you think that means you own me now? Like, no, it just right, means I have right. a bunch of money now. Like, <laughs> and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, you know, and it was like, that's that like, and, and obviously with how radicalized his supporters are and, you know, all that type of stuff, you know, it, it, there were just so many like crazy parallels to like what has happened in the world since 2012, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that are like very clearly mirrored in this film. It's just like, it seemed like it, again, is, is I think also what is contributing to like, you know, um, increasing my, you know, awe and appreciation of this particular film in the trilogy as well is just how... I don't know how much Nolan really had his finger on the pulse on like a bit more than just wrapping up a comic book story, you know, that like these were sort of like real tensions and real anxieties that were kind of mixed up in the world. Yeah. And they hadn't totally reached their boiling point like they would, you know, in the subsequent years, but like they were there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and especially I think this is it comes back to a lot of like Americans versus people who have lived in the rest of the world where it's like, you know, to Americans history is 200 years to the rest of the world. History is like thousands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so like in in a lot of ways, like when you look at history that way, you just, you know, history repeats itself. You see like the same shit come around again and again and again. And like, if you understand history a lot better than usually in a lot of ways, you can kind of understand like the future a lot better as well it becomes a little bit clearer kind of like what some of the identifiers are or signals that like oh we're kind of moving into one of these periods again you know Mm -hmm. um so i'm sure nolan probably just was a lot more uh uh you know um attuned to identifying those things probably having a much more expansive (laughs) historical education being you know an englishman yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more, he's obviously a very intelligent guy. I'm not trying to dismiss it as like one single thing or anything like that, but, um, but still it, it seems, you know, it's impressive now just seeing how much he, it seems like he kind of did understand what some of the, you know, latent, uh, you know, uh, ticking time bombs were that were kind of like we were sitting on <laughs> as a civilization at that point in time that were going to erupt in these ways in the next coming years. Mm-hmm, yeah, because mm-hmm. a lot of them did kind of play out in ways that are shockingly similar. You yeah, know, to to you know some of the images you know in that movie. While I was watching it on Friday, I was like, I've seen some of this stuff recently. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was it wasn't in a movie though. Um, I uh, I remember watching the uh, when we first started this. I uh, and a few times in some of these Batman episodes, I know I've mentioned there's a, a really good ba- Batman uh, Dark Knight trilogy documentary on YouTube, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, in it, he in it, Nolan breaks down, you know, uh, you know, like a theme for each of his movies. And I remember him saying that for this one, uh, him and and Goyer and his and his brother, uh, Jonathan, were looking at uh, disaster movies. Uh, And like I I really tried to watch The Dark Knight Rises as a disaster movie because (laughs) we've watched disaster movies. You know, I I recently watched Geostorm, which I had never seen. You know what I mean? So it's like when we think of like disaster movies, we think about disaster in every way. Yeah. 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 You know, we think about that. And I think it was so it's so interesting to think about like what would be like an actual, you know, like the most realistic disaster movie, you know? And I mean, much like I just I'm kind of just echoing what the things that you've listed in terms of like the Occupy Wall Street 
that had happened, but then also, you know, uh, you know, the riots on the Capitol that just happened on the 6th and stuff like that. I mean, that is a truly, you know, those riots are truly like a, a disaster movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it's it was a social disaster. Or a, right. A yeah. Civilization disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it was really interesting to just see how like how a story could be how a story could be formed from the idea and of like it being a disaster movie, but still be taken very seriously and not something that's just like hokey and dumb and has some sort yeah. of giant, you know, CGI spectacle. Volcano. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so it kind of made me appreciate, like, I feel like I, I feel like I kind of look at this movie now as like a, it's like a superhero disaster movie, you know, but like that, that like really works and has something to say about, you know, just like people and like, you know, the hierarchies and social classes and stuff like that. And well, the, yeah, the types of disasters that we are truly facing, you know? Yes. Right. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, there's all sorts, there's no shortage of like environmental and ecological disasters that could be around the corner, but it's like, we're, we're really on a path towards a couple really specific ones that maybe don't get as much attention. Yeah. They don't, yeah. yeah. They don't make for, they don't usually make for as good, you know, effects driven Hollywood fodder for movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but they are no less real and, uh, and destructive. <laughs> as a series, do you think that Dark Knight Rises is like a, a a good end to a to like a movie series like a trilogy, you know? Yeah, I really do. I think okay. it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really impressed with uh, again with really everything about this movie, but specifically because yeah, it's you know it's it never fails in its main objective, which is still to be a fulfilling conclusion to a superhero trilogy. Yeah, and I think it does a great job of that because again, it gets at it never loses focus about, you know, you like so much of this connects back to Batman Begins and what the original idea was about Batman, you know, and everything. And like you said, you know, that he talks about it. it's it's more it's got to be more than just a man. He has to be a symbol. Right. Because a man can be killed, you know, and then he's and then he's gone. But, if you know, something bigger than that that always survives, you know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't just kill Batman because Batman could be anyone. Right. Um, and the fact that we really, you know, see that come to pass, you know, and everything in the end, it's, it's just, it's, it's a perfect conclusion because it's, and again, it doesn't feel contrived. Like they just wrote that into the beginning so that they could do this at the end, you know, or whatever, <laughs> right. like it all, it all feels very earned, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and like the journey that, that we took between them brought us here, you know, and, and not just that, like, you know, again not just this contrived thing that like oh this is just a clever way to finish it it's like no i buy that like this was bruce wayne's journey right you know like every step of the way i get it and i understand you know and and like he never becomes this like completely infallible person he's always got problems you know mm-hmm. he, he's still subject to you know fits of selfishness and you know putting himself before elders and things like that and you know and that's just that's just people you know so it's like he never feels he never feels like this just totem, you know, that's there to just be this thing so we can make these cool superhero movies. Like it's, they never lose sight of the fact that like, there's a real person like behind this mask right? and that like everything that he does has like carries consequences with it, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And that like those consequences have far reaching, um, uh, implications beyond just even one film, you know? Yeah. Um, like the, the movies do reach over into each other, even though there's you know, most I guess most uh, um, superficially uh, conveyed by Jonathan Crane, 
who actually appears in all three of the movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, but despite that, you know, having no real like direct character crossovers between the three movies, and even when they do with Rachel Dawes from one to two, which she's recast. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, and then Gotham City is recast in the third movie. You know, like there's a lot of ways that these could have felt like really disjointed, or like they each kind of live in their own little bubble. Mm-hmm. But it's like they don't. It's like there's you know what happens to Bruce and like you know what what happens to him and to Alfred and to his relationships with some of these other people. And then sure, there's the way that like his gear evolves, of course, as well to meet the increasing demands and things like that. But um, you know, in, in much more significant ways that are built into the way characters are written and the, the actions that they perform throughout the film, um, you know, that's really where you see like the carryover from like one, two and three mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, really, really being able to, to see that that's what makes it such like a fulfilling kind of conclusion to this. Cause if you were just to try like most other superhero franchises where they're like, let's just keep making, making these until the wheels fall off. You know, there's no end in sight. It's over when the fucking, you know, bank account dries up. Right. Um, you know, they, they don't have a hope of doing anything like this because that's all they're doing is like, how can we just make more like superhero stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, but something that really, you know, focused in on like, no, we're telling like this specific story and we have like this scope, which is very large, but it all comes down to like this one person's kind of journey. Yeah. Um, and like we, we begin and end there. You know, and that's that's how we make this a good <laughs> story with a beginning, <laughs> middle and end is by keeping it always keeping it focused on that. And like, you know, having that sort of permeate all the, the decision making um, throughout the film about, you know, who he is as a superhero, how he conducts himself as a superhero, what kinds of gadgets he uses and the way that he employs them. Like all that is suffused with his personality, mm-hmm. you know, and, and his shortcomings that he's trying to make up for or his, you know, mistakes he's trying to rectify and all that stuff. And it just, yeah, it's all, it's all bundled up together so well that it's like it, you know, they, they, by keeping their eye on that, they are in effect, um, ensuring that they're going to satisfy all of the other requirements as well that are right. less important, I would say, but still requirements, you know, it's still, it's still a Batman movie, you know, and all mm-hmm. those types of things. It's still got to be a <laughs> Batman movie. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like they, they just, they mixed all those things up so well, especially in the, the you know, in Batman Begins does such a good job. And we talked about this at length about how mm-hmm. like every little bit of how he creates Batman is born from something about him. Right. You know, and like something he needs to rectify or needs to be better at or needs to, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah. And so, you know, from then on, it's just like, it's just a winning formula. It's just really smart storytelling. You know, it's like we can just keep our eye on the ball now and mm-hmm. kind of everything else just comes with it now. Right. Know? Right. So. So, yeah. So, no, in that regard, I, I'm, I think it's like really pretty remarkable, honestly, as a, as a conclusion. I, I think a few trilogies you know or series that that end this well mm-hmm. um yeah what about you though how do you feel about it um i i do i feel like uh <clears throat> i agree with you uh you know i feel like it is a really solid solid ending you know like they landed the dismount so to speak yeah <laughs> you know For sure. um and um you know, even even if you know even if somebody who watches it still has even if it's still not their least favorite like you can't i mean uh you cannot say that they don't accomplish, you know, like, I mean, Christopher Nolan, I believe like ended the dark Knight. Do you know what I mean? Like he ended, he ended like that, that, you know, that part of like Bruce's life. And now mm-hmm. Bruce is, you know, obviously by the end of it, starting a, starting a, a new one and everything. But, um, 
yeah, no, I, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. I thought it's a, I think it's a really, really good ending to it. And I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, the, the only other time I've felt such a, you know, like emotional catharsis, even though it was over many movies, but is with, you know, how Marvel ended the, their main Avengers, their six main Avengers characters. Mm. Um, and so like, even though there was uh, like 21 movies, 21 Marvel movies that led up to Avengers Endgame, Avengers Endgame is very much about our original six Avengers that, that came from the first, you know, five movies, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's the end of their stories and all the other superheroes from all the other movies are in support of those characters doing what they need to do to, you know, right or wrong in that, in that entire series. Right. And so, um, so it's like one of these things where I like that, like I, you know, where, where those things ended, you know, like spoiler alert, if you've, if you've never watched it, whoever's listening, you know, Tony Stark dies at the end of, you know, of, at the end of Endgame, but like, it's done in such a way where like, we feel like we've lived an entire life with that character and he's, we've seen him, we've seen him be, you know, billionaire playboy asshole to an actually like human character that's grown from that, from where we first saw him to now. And it doesn't feel like it's just Robert Downey Jr. saying, well, I got to be the one that makes the sacrifice and die in this movie because I'm the star. Like it makes, it makes sense for, for that character and for the whole story and stuff. And like, it's just crazy to think about like how much, how that's where we are now with, you know, I guess like series, like people are not even thinking of just about it as a contained trilogy. It like has to be five movies or 10 movies or, you know, 22 movies for it to like really mean something, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's definitely where, you know, that's definitely where a lot of people are, you know, a lot of creators are just falling into traps. I feel like now in terms of these big epic stories, but it's kind of crazy that I don't feel like we'll ever get like this kind of a, you know, they don't make them like this anymore where it's just like, (laughs) we have a one, two and a three and each of them on their own are about something, but as a whole, they're, they're an entire, they're an entire like life, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just feels good to feel like there's a beginning, middle and end and the end is the end and that's it. There doesn't need to be any more. So um, that's actually kind of what I appreciated about it. I, I appreciated that it was just three movies and not, not any more than that. Yeah. No, same here. Uh, what else you got? Anything? No. Uh, really just, I just wanted to point out a couple things about Go this for it. Birdman. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, both this and Birdman, the, both movies begin with something crashing from the sky. Ooh, um, good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, Birdman begins with Riggin believing he can fly, but no one else believing it. This movie begins with everyone else thinking Batman can fly, except for Bruce Wayne himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Clean Energy Project is basically Riggin's play, um, in that Bruce (laughs) Wayne has dumped all of his money and his entire future into this one thing, and it doesn't look like it's going to go well. (laughs) Good point. Good point. Uh. Uh, both um, Emma Stone and Birdman and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie serve similar purposes, which is to be the bitter young childlike figure who hates the world because of a lack of parental figures and can see through the main character's bullshit. Nice. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that was that was interesting as well. Um, 
uh, as I mentioned before, just in, in an experiential way, just being divorced from some of the like conversation that was happening about this movie when it came out has actually, I think, just improved the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, both of which I like to begin with, but uh, they're just even better not being attached to the like, oh, it's a one shot or like, oh, it's, you know, the follow up to the Dark Knight, you know. Right, right. Shit. Uh, and then both movies end with a, uh, you know, questionable suicide slash self-sacrifice. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. With a, yeah. either, either it's a suicide or I like literally flew off into the sunset. Right. Exactly. One of those two things happened. It's kind of up to you to decide. I mean, I guess Dark Knight Rises makes a little more, um, concrete, you know, the, mm-hmm. what happened. It's, it's pretty clear with the like, oh, the autopilot thing's been fixed. And then, you know, uh, Alfred seeing them, you know, at, at drinking limoncello in, in Italy or whatever. So, <laughs> um but uh but yeah no those were just things that kept coming up as i was watching it was just like there's just so many similarities between these two movies it's cracking me up (laughs) yeah no i think it was uh i i I have to uh i have to applaud you i think it was a good play to do birdman it's it's really it's really no it's really hands down you know uh uh made the made the made watching these movies and the conversation like a lot more interesting that i'm sure i honestly thought this was just gonna be like a a a, a me love fest of just saying how much i love batman for these five or six yeah. movies and <laughs> you just being like i can't wait till this is fucking over so we can get back to you know better shit but um no i feel like it i feel like interestingly enough i feel like birdman has become quite quite a big linchpin for you know tim burton movies but also like christopher nolan movies like i feel like it complements them both very well but doesn't take anything away from watching those movies and not watching uh without watching uh, birdman either so totally yeah no thank you and i never i i i will not pretend that i knew it was going to work out this well i just i was like hey there's kind of this could be interesting yeah, right. There's a, there's at least, you know, some connective tissue here that I think is worth checking out and then it ended up being fucking awesome, but I Right. I did I did not know for a fact that it was going to work out this way. <laughs> well, let's just try it out. Yeah. So, no. I'm as I'm as delighted and surprised as you are. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh I think uh next week uh, is our uh uh the trailer for uh, Malcolm and Marie is the one I want to do. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so th- this week my this week my homework is to watch uh scenes from a marriage. Oh fuck, that's right. Because oh uh because I'm I'm I mean I I would watch the before series again, but I I know it like the back of my hand and I'm I'm not going to watch that series again until I'm with you watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so cuz I want to, I want you to see those as well, but um yeah, just in terms of just like relationship movies or just, you know, that kind of thing like uh You've told me about scenes from a marriage. I bought it. I own it. And I feel like after I watched the trailer for Malcolm and Marie, like I felt like I need to tell Dorian we need to do this, but I know I want to watch this just to get another relationship movie under my belt. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the one I want to do next week for sure, because then the, that following Friday is when it comes out on Netflix. OK, gotcha. Awesome. Well, so, yeah, let me know when you start scenes from a marriage, because I might uh, I, I could probably use it. I mean. There's never a bad time to walk, to get a refresher on scenes from a marriage, but um. I think I'm gonna start on. Uh, I think I might start on Tuesday. Okay, the Was fact great? you know the the fact that it's it's also I think very smart of on your part to 
you know, throw me the olive branch of immediately, like, I'm now watching Ingmar Bergman stuff because I was going to be like, well, Bobby, now that I've done your superhero thing, I think you owe me a little something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But but if you're watching scenes from a marriage, I am am content as can be. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, uh, thank you for listening this week. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another old school, a trailer review. Yeah, back to our roots. Yeah. Getting, <laughs> getting back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank y'all.